Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us in our series on the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus called Walking in the Light. Good morning, saints. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Yeah, you can tell we got, I think I heard about 80 uh, of our own are back in Muffins with Mom, so I'll echo what Meredith said. If you look around and say, where is everybody? Well, they're back uh, having church this morning uh, with our little biddies. We want to welcome you here to Crossroads Community Church, uh, especially if you're visiting with us. My name is Darren Snow. I'm the senior pastor here, uh, so welcome. For those of you that are watching us online, so good to have you here as well. If you are visiting with us, I will tell you uh, that we are in a study on the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus uh, that we have entitled Walking in the Light. So if you have your B-I-B-L-E's, and I hope that you do, you can go ahead and turn or tap and we will be in chapter 3. We're going to conclude chapter 3 today. Before we jump into the task at hand, something really, really, really important in the life of our church that we do, I don't know, four or five times a year, is our essentials class, the essentials. This is our membership class. So if you are thinking about planting your proverbial flag and making this your church home, then this is for you. It will be happening one week from today, okay, next week. After second service, we got a little box lunch for you. It's really casual. It's an opportunity for Pastor Caleb and I to get to know you, to talk about the essentials of Crossroads, a little bit of doctrine and theology, which is really, really important, who we are, what we do, uh, how we do it, that kind of thing. So maybe you're newer to the church. Uh, there, there's a couple first uh, service. I won't say their names, but they know who they are. Uh, they said to me last week, they said, well, you know, we've been on the fence about this church for the last 12 years, but we figure now we're going to go ahead and become members. So they've been coming for 12 years. I, I, I don't think that's the record. I think the record is 20 years. I think we had someone who had been coming to the church for 20 years and finally decided to become a member. So whether you've been coming for two weeks or whether you've been coming for a lot longer, if you would like to officially make this your church home, we would love to have you next week at The Essentials. Okay, uh, let's see here. Today, now, can you believe it? Week number 11. Can you believe it? Week number 11 of our 26-week series. So we've got uh, 15 weeks to go. But today is also an ending, believe it or not. Uh, today uh, we are going to finish up part one of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, if you've ever read through, especially if you've ever studied this book, then, then you probably are aware, maybe not, that Paul really does, uh, th there are two sections that are very clear in the, in the letter, two part. Uh, the first part is very doctrinal. And it has been, I think you will agree, nothing less than groundbreaking theology and doctrine that he gives to us in the first three chapters. We'll be closing that today. And then he moves in very much a decidedly different direction uh, in chapters 4 through 6. So after we finish up chapter 3 today, then we're going to take just a little bit of time and we're going to do a quick review of what we have learned the first three chapters. And then I'll give you a little preview of where we are going beginning next week. And also, by the way, I didn't give this first service, but I'm going to give it to you. Uh, at the end of our teaching next week, we have two very special guests that are going to come up and are going to share a little bit 
So you do not want to miss that, okay? So I'm giving just a little heads up to be sure and come next week as we head into chapter 4. So with all that said, let's jump in. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 14 through 21, which is the remainder of chapter 3. We're going to start with verses 14 and 15. I'm going to set the stage for you, give you just a little bit of context before we dive into the heart of this last part of the text. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul writing from a Roman prison as a reminder. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay, let's just hit the pause button for just a minute or two here. So as Paul is concluding, again, this first part of the letter, and he knows that he's about to shift gears, uh, as we will get into next week. Uh, he, he is bowing down before the Father, and what we see here, I believe, distinctly, we see two different things. First, we see humility on the part of the Apostle Paul, and then I also think we see passion. Uh, let me say humility. So maybe you're saying, well, I get it, he is, he's bowing down, without a doubt. But you have to understand a little bit of cultural context, and that is first century Jews almost always, always, always prayed standing up. So the fact that he is bowing down, we only see this a couple of times in Scripture as a whole, both Old and New Testament. So, so something is going on here, all right? He is bowing down. He is showing humility. But I also believe what we see here, and I don't think I'm reading anything into the text. We always have to be very, very careful not to do that. But I think we see some emotion. I think we see some passion here. Uh, remember now, Paul is writing from a Roman prison. And he is writing to a group of people that he very much loved. Uh, the, the people at the church at Ephesus. If you remember, he spent about two years there. He, he started that church. He was very much a church planter. And so you can just imagine him that he is bowing down. He is praying to God the Father. And he is praying that these words that he, is, that he has written but that he's about to write, he's praying that they will have a significant impact to, to the readers in, in, a, in a very powerful and in a very profound way. The truth of what we know, of course, is God's word. And then he launches into a prayer. Now, you may not have noticed that if you've read through the book of Ephesians and you got to this last part of chapter 3. But uh, theologians, uh, biblical scholars, very much, he is down on his knees and he is concluding this, this portion of his letter with a prayer. And it is a prayer for the bride of Christ. It is a prayer for the church. And no doubt he was praying and writing this prayer specifically uh, for his original audience, the church at Ephesus and other churches there in the first century. But make no mistake, this is also a prayer for us today. So very much applicable, what we're going to dig into here in just a moment. Okay, so setting the stage there, now let's go into the prayer, which is verses 16 through 19, and then we'll unpack that for you. Here we go. So he is praying, then verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit, capital S, he's talking about God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, all right, with power through his spirit in your, speaking to Christians, in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
and that you, Christian, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints. And then look what he says here. Look at the, the, the verbiage that he uses. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ, the love of Jesus, that surpasses all human knowledge. And then he ends the prayer with this. That you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Okay. So Paul is lifting up this prayer, and he is praying not only for that original audience, but he is praying for us. And it is a prayer of intercession. In other words, he is interceding on our behalf. He is lifting up this prayer for the saints. That would be us. Don't, don't think of that from a Catholic tradition perspective. But those who have come into a saving relationship with him. That's the word that he uses there. And he is praying that we would experience Jesus, that we would experience Jesus. I think that's the right word. In a very deep and in a very rich way as we are growing in our spiritual maturity in Christ, all right? Now, when we look at this prayer, uh, it is divided into three, I believe, distinct petitions. So let me walk you through these three different parts of the prayer. The first part, when we look at this, I think that the Apostle Paul is lifting up a prayer on our behalf, and it is a prayer for strength. It is a prayer for strength. Look at verse 16. He is praying that we would be strengthened with what? With power, strengthened with power through God the Holy Spirit. Now, why does he start this intercessory prayer right off the bat with strength through the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, he's the Apostle Paul, okay? So he knew very well that it is uh, the Spirit that leads us, that guides us, that strengthens us through the realities of living the Christian life. Now, my guess is that we would all agree that the Christian life is a blessed life, is it not? Are there not blessings that come with being a follower of Jesus? You should all say amen because if you're a follower of Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, living in you, you're going to spend all eternity in heaven. If you cannot be blessed by that, I don't know what you can be blessed by. And I mean that sincerely. So a lot of times when we think of, especially in some of the, uh, the, the silliness of the prosperity doctrine that is alive and well when we think about, well, uh, I don't know, Paul and Pant uh, Pat Patty, that they are, Paul and Patty have been blessed by God, and, and we think, well, that's automatically, well, some kind of, of a financial blessing. And does God bless some of us financially more than others? Without a doubt. But that is not what we talk about when we talk about uh, the blessings of God. The blessings of God that we experience, first and foremost, are spiritual, but also relational. All right? So when I say that we have been blessed by God, I do not want you to automatically go, well, some are blessed financially more than others. You with me? Okay. So without a doubt, we have been blessed by God. All right? But, but don't you wish that the Christian life was just all blessings? I, I do. I do too. Thank you, Katie. But it's not. All right? There are, it, it is a blessed life, but it is, it is not an easy life. Amen to that? Man. I wish it was an easy life. Remember last week, we looked at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and Paul details? Man, you remember everything that that guy went through? Uh, he was shipwrecked. He, he was 
beaten within an inch of his life. Uh, he talks about one time he was stoned on more than one occasion. One time he is stoned so badly, he's beaten up so badly, they take him out of the city and they leave him there and they think he's just going to die. All right? So it is a blessed life, but it is by no means an easy life. And so that's why the Apostle Paul just prays right out of the gate that, that he knows that we need the strength and the power of the Spirit to do those things that he is calling us to do, to be the people of God that he is calling us uh, to be. And, and let me just underscore this really simple point, okay? And that is this, that God the Holy Spirit, it is essential for us as Christians living the Christian life. We, we must have the Spirit and rely on the Spirit if we are going to be the people of God that He's calling us to be and to do the things that He's calling us to do. Now, I, I, I had a little uh, uh, something I was going to use as an illustration, but I left mine on my seat over there, but you all have them. If you have a cell phone, pull out that cell phone. <laughs> yes. Yes, Rob, I want you to pull your cell phone out. Okay, so when Rob or Marcy or whoever, when you look at that cell phone, all right, this is not a trick question. What th those things now have an there are incredible things that we can do with those phones. So, we, and most of you have a smartphone, maybe not all, but most of you have a smartphone. Okay, what are the different things that those smartphones can do? It's not a trick question. Did somebody say call? We can make a call on them, just like we did back in the old days, Christian. They can make a phone call. What else can they do? They can jump on the internet, right? You, at the touch of your fingers, you, you can go on the internet and you can Google and get an answer to just about anything in the world. So you can make a phone call. You can jump on uh, the internet. Don't you love the fact that smartphones have a GPS? Okay, how many of you are old enough like me to remember uh, you go on your family vacation and you actually take a paper map? Some of you have no clue what that is. No clue. Corbin, you don't have a clue what a map is. No, you don't. You don't have a clue what a map is. Now, hey, do you remember this? Do you remember how cool it was however many years ago when MapQuest came out? And you could sit at your computer and you could tap it, type it all in, and then you would hit print, and then you would, you would have the directions, and I'd be driving along and Julie would be, no, no, you're supposed to make a right right back there. You remember how that, that was the coolest thing in the world, MapQuest. Oh, my gosh, almighty. And now we don't even think about it, right? We just pull up those little phones and there they are. So you've got a GPS right on there. Uh, we can do a lot of that. Uh, we can play games on those things. Uh, you can play solitaire while you're pretending to be on the Bible app while Pastor Caleb or Pastor Darren are preaching. And God knows who you are, Javier, if you ever are doing that, brother. He knows your name. He num knows the number of the hairs on your head. And he knows when you're playing games instead of listening to the preacher on Sundays. Point is, guys, those things can do all kinds of things. right? They are capable. But there's one little thing that they must have or none of those possibilities can ever begin to be, and that is a what? It's a battery. It's a battery. It doesn't matter how many different things that little cell phone is capable of. If you take out that battery, that's it. Now, you probably know where I'm going with this. The Spirit is our battery. The Spirit, for the Christian, is our battery. Now, we as Christians, we can do a few things. But if you take out our battery, if you take out God the Holy Spirit out of the, out of the equation, then we're just doing stuff. Without the Holy Spirit, <laughs> with, did you like that? That was in my sermon notes. <laughs> with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. With God the Holy Spirit, when he is living within us as individuals and as part of the community of faith, 
It is unbelievable what God can do as long as we are being very intentional in leaning into him. So we must have. It is an imperative that we have the inner strength that only God the Holy Spirit can provide. And so this is why Paul starts out this intercessory prayer praying specifically for the strength of God the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the second part of his prayer for us. Uh, He offers up on our behalf a prayer for love. Prayer for love. Look at verse 17. He is praying that we will be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Now let me start this part of, of our conversation by saying this. Anything that I or really any of us could ever say about the love of God would be totally and completely inadequate. How in the world do we verbalize the love of God? His love would be completely beyond our ability to fully grasp. We get little bits and pieces of it without a doubt, but beyond our ability to fully grasp. And I think the, the, the same uh, was the same uh, for the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine him? So he's sitting in this Roman prison. He's got all of this emotion and passion. He is writing this letter to these people that he loves and he's, he, he's got in his mind, I want to somehow be able to verbalize the love of God. And he says, even in the text, he says, it is a love that surpasses knowledge. How in the world am I ever going to begin uh, to express the love of God? Well, he, 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 gives it a, he gives it a good shot now. Look what he says here in the text there in verse 17. He says that we have been rooted and grounded in God's love. Now there he's using two metaphors, certainly two metaphors that his original first century Jewish audience would have been able to relate to, but I think these are, are, are two metaphors that we now, 2,000 years later, we can relate to these as well. The first is agricultural. Look what he says, being rooted in God's love. So you can just imagine a great big giant Oak tree, I don't know, redwood tree, whatever the tree may be, that goes, you know, way, 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 way up. And, and yet we know that the only way that that redwood can stand the test of time and the realities of old mother nature is if it has what? If it's got that really deep root system. Without the really deep root system, that redwood's going to do this. So he uses an agricultural metaphor. The second one is an architectural metaphor. And he prays that we would have this deep, foundation in God's love. So you think about a, I don't know, downtown Chicago, a building, a Sears Tower, Hancock Building, whatever they're called. I never can remember what they're called anymore, but you know. And so they go up 50, 60, 100, story, whatever that amount is. But as far as they go up, if they did not have that deep, deep, deep foundation, first time a big storm comes through, we know what that would do. So that's what he's saying. He's saying that, that we should be uh, rooted in ground. Here's what I wrote. He said his love, just Note that I wrote, his love is the soil. Think about it this way. His love is the soil in which believers are rooted and will grow and the foundation upon which they are built. Now, even though this love is beyond our ability to totally grasp, Paul keeps going. And look at the next part of the text. He is praying that we will somehow, through the grace of God, through the power of the Spirit, that we would begin to comprehend. And look at the words that he uses here. How wide? How long? How high? How deep is his love? It is a love with no ending. It is a love that is inexhaustible. 
It is a love truly that in our simple human minds we are not able to fully, to fully grasp. It is a love wide enough to embrace the world. It is a love long enough to last forever and ever and ever and ever. It is a love that is deep enough to take Jesus down to the depths to reach that lowest sinner. And it is a love that is high enough to take sinners to heaven. Sinners just like you, sinners just like me. And saints, just one last point on this. The love of God that is so hard for us to fully grasp, this is not simply an intellectual love. See, you can read about the love of God till the cows come home. It's not simply a biblical love, and I say that very carefully. All right? It's not simply the love of God that we read about in His Word, but it is a love to be experienced. It's experiential. Now, we got to be careful here when we talk about it being experiential and, and emotions and feelings because we don't re- live our Christian lives based upon feelings, do we? No, we do not. Not a trick question. All right? And that's why he's praying that we would be rooted and grounded. That being said, God gave us feelings. He gave us emotions. He gave us passions. And there are times when we experience the love of Jesus. We experience Jesus for who he is in experiential ways that, that is just hard to, to even to be able to articulate. Let me ask you a question. H- have you ever been worshiping Jesus? Maybe by yourself, right at home. Maybe you're in your car, <laughs> you know. People are looking at you like, you know, what in the world's going on with this guy? Uh, maybe it is here corporately when we worship but you're worshiping Jesus and and you wish it was like this every single time it's not but God reaches us in different ways in different times but you are worshiping the Lord and you you just know that you know that you know that there is a God and that he loves you unconditionally can't put words on it but you Mark you know it you you know it There are times when we're in prayer, and again, that can be a prayer at home by yourself. That can be uh, praying with your wife. Uh, It can be praying with a loved one. It can be praying here corporately, and it's the same thing, that you're you're lifting up your petitions, and there's something going on in your life, and your, your, your heart is breaking. Everything about life just on the surface seems that it's fallen apart, and you reach up like you've prayed maybe 10,000 times, but in that moment, you know that you know that you know that there is not only a God, but he is a God that hears those prayers, and you just know. Saints, listen to me, okay? For those of you that don't know Jesus, the love of God is not simply an intellectual exercise. The love of God is something that is to be experienced in a very deep, in a very rich, in a very personal way. And Paul is praying for us that we would experience the love of God in that way. Then the third part of this prayer is this. And this is is interesting. The first two, probably not a surprise to you. But look what he says here. He lifts up on our behalf a prayer for fullness. Isn't that interesting? A prayer for fullness. Look at verse 19. He is praying that we would be filled with the fullness of God. 
Okay, same exercise where we're trying to kind of grasp the love of God. It's the same thing. Alan, how in the world do we grasp the fullness of God? How do we grasp the fullness? How do we comprehend that? I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I probably blipped through this verse, I don't know, a thousand times. But then I started to really think about that. What is it to comprehend, and I'll use this word again, to experience the fullness of God? Is it possible? I would say absolutely it is, or Paul wouldn't have been praying this prayer on our behalf. But let me be clear. It happens only, only, only through Jesus. If you don't have time to do it, you can write this down, those of you taking notes. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church at Colossae. Look what he says here. He says, for in Jesus, for, yes, for in Jesus, the whole, somebody's excited about the fullness of deity. For in Jesus, the whole fullness, there's the word that he used, same word. The fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you, Christian, have been filled in him. So I want you to think about this. We have been filled with his fullness. As, again, speaking about, as wild as that sound, that we as Christians, God the Holy Spirit living within us, we have been filled with his fullness. About, no, not about, just over four years ago. Uh, four years ago this past March, uh, Julie and I, and uh, our daughter, Lauren, and our son-in-law, Matt, we went down uh, to Africa. And we went down to uh, Africa uh, for my daughter, Abby's wedding. And for those of you that call Crossroads Home, you probably are aware that our oldest daughter is a missionary down in South Africa. And, of course, she met a boy. There's always a boy involved. Okay? <laughs> Sir Foss Hofmeyer. How's that? Sir Foss Hofmeyer. Uh, is my beloved uh, son-in-law, by the way. Wonderful, wonderful, godly man. Uh, but Sir Foss is from South Africa. He is South African, and he comes from a little bitty town called Stillby that is down the very tip of South Africa, and it is right on the Indian Ocean. And it, it was just this surreal experience. I never thought I would ever go to Africa. Some of you may have been. I don't know. Maybe you have plans to go. I had never been, never thought that I would be there. And I certainly never thought that I would be there for my daughter's wedding. So it was this surreal moment. And I remember standing there on the beach area, looking out uh, in complete awe on the, um, the immense, the grandeur, the, just everything. I was just overwhelmed by the, that I'm standing here on the Indian Ocean. Now, I want you to imagine if I had done this. I didn't, but just imagine this, okay? That I'm there in the Indian Ocean, and if I had had a, a fruit jar, you know a little fruit jar? If I had had a little fruit jar, and I was standing there, and, and if I had stooped down, and if I had taken that fruit jar, and I would have allowed the Indian Ocean to rush into that jar, okay? Only the tiniest, 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 tiniest fraction of the Indian Ocean would have come into that fruit jar. It would have been filled just like this, right? That's what I think about when I read what Paul says, that we should be filled with the fullness of God. I could never put the fullness of the Indian Ocean into a little bitty fruit jar. 
And yet Paul has the audacity, if you will, to say that we as Christians can experience the fullness of God. How in the world could that ever be possible? Saints, it is possible, but only because of Jesus. Because of who Jesus is, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, God himself. And so when we come into relationship with him and God, the third person of the Holy Spirit, and literally comes and indwells within us, then we have access to that fullness as we know him personally and intimately. As wild as it sounds, we become filled with the fullness of God. That is mind-blowing to me. And yet, it is clearly possible uh, for us as followers of Jesus, or Paul would not have raised up that prayer on our behalf. Okay, so there he's prayed for this strength of the Holy Spirit. He's prayed that we would experience the depth of his love. And then he prays that we would uh, be filled with the fullness of God. And then I don't want you to miss this, okay? Look at how he ends his prayer. Look at verses 20 and 21. He ends his prayer with what's called a doxology. How many of you are familiar with the doxology? How many of you grew up in churches where you sang the, the, the doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Shall I keep going? No. Okay. Okay. That's a doxology. It is a form of praise uh, to the Lord. That's what Paul gives us here in Ephesians 3, the last two, uh, two verses. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. The power of God the Holy Spirit within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. And with that, um, his prayer and this part of the letter concludes. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, this, I'll say it again. I've said it a couple of times before. I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll say it over the course of the next 15 weeks. If not, maybe Pastor Caleb will. But this is one of those passages that if you're going to preach a few texts out of the book of Ephesians, you, you, you might, that might not have been in your top five. But isn't it beautiful when we are committed to preaching through every single verse? You have these beautiful little nuggets that just come out week after week after week after week. And what a fitting conclusion to this part. So I want you to think just for a moment. Okay, for those of you who have been tracking with us. Maybe you haven't been here every single Sunday. But just think about, again, the incredible, and I would use this word, especially there for first century believers, this groundbreaking theology that Paul has given to us. Going all the way back to chapter 1, especially chapter 1 and 2 for sure. And the first thing that we come to grips with, as unsavory as it is to come to grips with this, and that is spiritually speaking, we are dead We're dead. Spiritually speaking, we are dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. You've got a perfect, holy, and a just God here. You have us as sinful human beings about 10 bazillion miles from each other. And so because of our sin, because of what we call the seed of Adam that has been passed down generation after generation after generation, I'll say it to you one more time, as unsavory as it sounds, because of the reality of that sin, what we deserve is hell. That's what we deserve. What is hell? An eternity apart from God. That's what we deserve. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. Oh, but God. 
because of his because of of the depth and the height and the breadth of his love he reaches down in his goodness and in his sovereignty he reaches down and he says there in in chapter one and chapter two he says that we have uh, been called he says that we have been chosen he says that we have been adopted he says that we have been saved and we have been sealed by nothing less than god himself god the holy spirit and all of these you talk about blessings these blessings that we have the opportunity uh, to experience for ourselves none of this not one bit nada zero any of this comes from how good of a person we may think that we are we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. And then, as only God can do, he takes all, and has for 2,000 years now, he takes all of these individual believers and he begins to take them different languages, different skin colors, different creeds, different tribes, all, of, and then he takes us all and he brings us together. One new race. One new humanity. One new tribe the church, the bride of Christ. And we get to experience that which we do not deserve and that which we could never earn. What a beautiful mosaic. Look to your left and your right. Look behind you. Do you see? I'm serious. You can do it. Look at the mosaic. Not just in terms of skin color, in terms of so many other things. We have, what, 10 different countries represented in Crossroads in Espanol? 11. I was just corrected. 11 different countries represented in Crossroads in Espanol. And just because they all speak Spanish doesn't mean they're all the same. Correct, Pastor? The beautiful, profound mosaic that is the church. Brothers and sisters in Christ. United in our love for Jesus and in our love for each other and his bride. Groundbreaking theology. Now, here's where we're going next. And, oh, we've got 15 awesome weeks coming up. Because what we're going to see next week, he's going to shift from theology to practicality. And the question that he's going to ask every single week is, how do we begin to walk this out? What does this look like in our everyday lives, in the day-to-day, Sue, nitty-gritty of life? How do we walk this out? How do we walk this out with the strength of God, the Holy Spirit? How do we walk this out uh, experiencing the profound love of God? How do we walk this out being filled in his fullness? How do we do this as individuals? How do we do this as families? What does this look like for us, this community of faith? Boy, and then there's one last question that we'll hit head on when we hit chapter 6. And that is, how do, we, how do we put all of this together when we face the realities of the spiritual battle in which we are in? And if you don't think we're in a spiritual battle, buckle up, buttercup, because we're going to dive into that in chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the rulers, the authorities, the powers in this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. We'll get there in chapter 6. Hang on. All that's next week. All that's next week. Okay, some of you are looking at your watches and you're saying, we're getting out early. Oh, no, you're not. (laughs) Rebecca, I know you've got lots of Mother's Day festivities coming, but you've got to wait about 12 more minutes. 
we want to try to put all of this together. Thank you, Melvin. We put all this together. And for those of you that call Crossroads Home, you know we do this regularly. We don't do it every week if you're visiting, but we do it regularly. And that is we simply want to take the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or so with some intentionality. And we want to experience Jesus in worship and in prayer. So I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I know there's probably a lot of you that are going to go out and have some fun, and that's awesome, that's wonderful. But all I'm asking you to do is just for the next 10 minutes or so, let's just stop and let's push everything aside and let's take a deep breath. And let's experience Jesus and worship him in spirit and in truth. So our worship team is going to come out. We have two of my most all-time favorite songs, How He Loves Us, Oh, How He Loves And during that time, I just want you to worship, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like. I want you to just worship him. And also during that time of worship, um, we're going to have some folks down front, and I'm going to ask to come down now. Doug Overstreet, who is one of our elders, Doug, wherever you're somewhere, I'm going to ask you to come down. Sonia Taylor is somewhere, uh, who is on our prayer team. Pastor Caleb is going to come down, and, and I'll be over here on this side. And so if there is anything going on in your life, and I mean anything at all, I would ask you, step out in, in faith and allow us to pray with you and for you. For some of you, you know, today is Mother's Day. It's a great, wonderful day, but it can be a hard day for a, ver- a variety of reasons that Meredith brought out earlier. It can be a hard day. For some of you, it's a hard day. Uh, so maybe it's a relational issue, fractured relationships with whoever it may be. Uh, for some of you, physical, physical realities um, that you're facing. Uh, for some financial, I mean, listen, this is not hyperbole. Financially, you have no idea what your next step is going to be. Um, whatever it may be. Um, during this time of worship, just step out, just come down, and, and we would be blessed. We would be honored to pray with you and for you uh, as we worship our Lord and Savior again in spirit and in truth. Thanks for joining us today. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road, right here in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again next week as we continue our series in the book of Ephesians, Walking in the Light.